0: Alright everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast post UFC 205 edition. We're going to be talking everything about UFC 205, the three title fights, the historic event at Madison Square Garden. We're going to have Brian Carraway joining the show at 2.30. We're also going to talk to Gegard Mousasi, Uriah Hall, who fight in the main event of a doubleheader. They're fighting on the card in Brazil uh, this weekend, so we'll talk to the two of them. We're also talking to Ryan Bader and Lil Nog. Uh, they fight in the Brazil portion of the card. I'm sorry, Musasi and Hall fight in the Belfast portion of the card. Right. I messed that up. So many cards, gets confusing, right. man. So we are talking to them, but we're going to upload that separately as an uh, interview plus that you'll be able to get on iTunes, um, hopefully either tonight or tomorrow morning. So be on the lookout for that so you can hear thing, all things Ryan Bader and Lil Nog as they main event the Brazil portion of the card. But... First things first, let's talk about UFC 205. Did you watch?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely watched it. (laughs) Of course. But I didn't have the type of seat you did. You were in New York City, and I've been, you know, ever since you went out there, I've been wanting to ask you, what was it like? Because I've been to a bunch of events like yourself, never been to one in New York City, because there really
0: hasn't been one in New York City.
1: (laughs) So what was the atmosphere like?
0: So obviously the atmosphere in the event itself, the press conference, the weigh-ins, the fight, further along in the prelims, was all electric. And there was definitely a lot of energy. You know, it's another 16,000 people attended the weigh-ins, 20-plus mm-hmm. thousand at the at fights itself. So that was a big part of it. But the thing about New York is that it's such a big city, and there's so much to do and going on there, that it doesn't have the same feel as it would in other cities or Las Vegas like the MGM. So I'll compare this to wrestling, because I have a friend who uh, we go to WrestleMania every year. So we've gone to Miami, New York, um New Orleans, Dallas, um, shows all over. And the New York one was felt the same way as this uh UFC card did that there just wasn't a lot of hype about it because they're so big. If you're in the bubble, which for the UFC was like around Madison Square Garden, then it's a big thing and you're running into a lot of UFC fans cuz everybody's around the area cuz they're excited. But if you venture away from that, it's you know, it becomes pe- people don't know about it. Um so You know, with the New Orleans card for WrestleMania, everything was in the Superdome and the French Quarter, which was like the small little area and they're, you know, half a mile from each other. And you just walk around and you see all the fans and whatnot. But then when it was in New York, you know, everything was so spread out. that You just unless you were they had, you know, their fan fest and New Jersey and stuff in Times Square. And if you weren't in those areas, it seemed like nobody was aware of it. Mm. But. That's not the UFC's fault at all, by any means. That's just the way New York is.
1: Yeah, it's a big city. That's interesting. I hadn't. It makes a lot of sense when you say that, but I hadn't thought about it because you're right. In, in our bubble, we're talking about what a big deal it is to go to New York, and it is probably for that reason, right? Like this is a big, challenging market, and obviously the car did well. I think they sold out and stuff. But it's yeah, it's a different thing. We just well, got some, such a large city. Yeah,
0: New York almost makes it seem like a bigger deal outside of New York mm-hmm. than. Actually, in the city because the city is so big yeah, and there's so much that. going on, but because all the media, like a lot of media, call New York home, yeah. there's more press and coverage and those kind of things, and that makes it a bigger deal nationally to the person watching at home.
1: It's almost like a brand, like we're, right. New, we're New York event. and It has cachet because we're in New
0: York, right? Um, you know, but like when you you've gone to enough of the ones in Vegas. Uh, and Dana White's talked about it. There's just different. Like everything's under one roof. Like you stay at the MGM, and it's the whole building's UFC 205, and you don't really need to go anywhere else. And even if you do, you're running into other UFC yeah. people. Like it takes over the strip.
1: No, that's true. So much of Vegas' economy is around fights, and it has been for some time. And UFC has been successful in that in that fight industry. So yeah, you've, you run into fans all over. It's not so much even people who clearly aren't fans, and, and I'm sure you run into this Mike in Vegas they're like aware of it they're excited about it they're like oh yeah here for the UFC i you know heard about so and so they're looking for fighters that they probably don't know the names of but they're excited so yeah it's a it's got a, a small town feel in that way when it comes to fights
0: yeah and you see people who are uh, in Vegas and they're just so excited and i've seen it people are like walking around and they're like oh is that so and so? Is that so and so? It's just it's like a different atmosphere because totally you like. can have those chance encounters. Yeah. You, you know it was interesting because the fighters were staying at a hotel like right across the street, so they'd walk back and forth from mm-hmm. like n- media events and stuff. So there were that was kind of a, a cool, interesting thing that, that made is. it feel Vegas like. Um, that so. is pretty
1: cool. I was, I we should have gotten him out. We'll chat with him some point, uh, hopefully, and, and uh, maybe take a moment to reflect on this. But our uh, Madison Square Garden is really, really close. Like. Really close, like across the street, close to one of the biggest martial, mixed martial arts academies uh, in, in the world, which is the Henzo Gracie's Academy. Mm-hmm. And Henzo had so many people in his lineage fighting on the card, like Frankie Edgar, you know Eddie Alvarez, all these folks. But some, I remember leading up to it, I forget which one now. Might have been, um, I think Isapo was on that card. They were planning to do his warm up in the, in the academy, like before the fight on fight night, like. Glove up and then go across the street and like warm up there and then walk for the fight. Uh, it was that close. So, I mean, that's that's about as close as you get in New York, I guess, uh, as that type of like weird Vegas small town feel. But I, I got I wonder what it was like for those guys. If, they, if the academy was filled with people, would be a fun thing to ask them about sometime,
0: right? Well, let's uh move on to the card itself. Uh, one of the biggest talking points aside from Conor McGregor was the the welterweight fight mm. Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson. Uh, I believe we've had both on the show. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, you know you damn you know damn
1: well we did we're just hashtag bragging about humble it.
0: brag. <laughs> so what was your initial reaction? What did you make of it? Did uh, Woodley win the fight? Should it have been a draw? Did Thompson win the fight? What was your reaction? I, I thought it was about as close as you can get. I think a draw
1: is is a really f- fair way of a fair decision because it came down to Scoring philosophy, in my mind, Stephen Thompson won three rounds. The way he won those rounds was very different from the two he lost. He looked like he was near death uh, when he lost the rounds he lost because Woodley connected with big power shots, uh, followed up, and, and looked like he was getting Thompson out of there. Thompson is just ungodly tough in condition, so he ended up doing well at the end of both of those rounds. But, yeah, it, it, was, a weird, it was a weird thing because, of course, we're supposed to add up rounds, um, and score it that way with the unified system, which which I don't love. But you know, there's a good argument for for like uh, for some of the rounds. Thompson won being so close that so little offense, effective striking and stuff being being implemented that it was, they were even rounds. So as dissatisfying as it probably is for, I mean, I guess Steven Thompson, who I spoke with over text briefly afterwards, you know, he I'm sure he was disappointed, but he seemed encouraged that he would come back even stronger. As disappointing as that can be it's it's at least it's at least probably something that seems fair like it's hard to say one of those guys was a loser because it was such a weird great fight that had ebbs and flows you know just when you thought thompson was certainly going to be knocked out he comes out and finishes around on top striking from it's like how do you what do you do with that it, it looked like it was going to be like a 10-2 round that he ended on top landing punches like what how do you what do you do with that
0: you know it's it's tough just an incredible back and forth fight between the two um I think it all comes down to like how you scored the third round, mm. but if you gave the third round to thompson then and you have to give one of the two rounds, most likely the fourth round 10 ten eight, then the majority draws the decision. but what's weird is that one judge gave woodley the a ten eight in the first round yeah. and then another gave him in the ten eight and then the fourth different judge, yeah so um, those that's how those two judges came to the majority draw decision. Yeah, I, I think that's how it worked out. I I'm think so too.
1: Yeah, which is an interesting way to get there.
0: But it's like if if that if if the three judges had all done like given him the the ten eight round in both of those, he would have won forty seven forty six. Yeah, and there's
1: a good argument for him deserving 10-8 in right. at least one of those. So yeah, it's a, it's it's tough.
0: It's just incredible that uh, I mean Woodley almost finished him like three four times in the fight is. A lot of heart and determination from Wonder Boy. It's amazing. So, is that the next fight to make? You run it back right away? Jeez, you know,
1: it seems very fair. The problem, the only problem to do that, to doing that in my mind is that I think both guys deserve a long rest. So you got to wait a while after a brutal fight like that, especially for Thompson. You got to, you got to wait a while. Maybe he'll disagree, right? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he'll fight, he'll fight Woodley tomorrow if you give him the chance. Uh, at the same token, I feel like Damian Maya earned his title shot a long time ago as well. Like, I had him and Thompson as co number one contenders, kind of like I have Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, Nurmag- oh, good lord. I just, I butchered it. I've been practicing all weekend. I swear I did it really great. Talking with my friends. Khabib, the Eagle, uh, I think they're both number one uh, contenders at lightweight. So it's a frustrating situation when it comes to like Damian Maya. Um, I don't want him waiting in the wings. I want him to have to take more fights. But if both of these guys can agree on a timeline, and if Damian Meyer or Conor McGregor doesn't end up fighting Tyron Woodley, which I think next, which I think would be rare or unlikely, then I think you do, do a you do a rematch and you make it a main event.
0: What about you? I mean, I think it left so indecisive. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that anybody disagreed with it. Sure. But there just wasn't a, a clear winner. You don't know who the better man is. Yeah. So I think for that regard, you have to run it back. Uh, so I do understand maya's plight but i think secondary you know, at this point to the what can you do right if you're right. him it's that's not his fault and it's not legit. their fault necessarily either <laughs> i mean true. unless you um but anyways let's let's move along to the star of the evening Connor mcgregor uh he basically had a um, outstanding performance living up to everything he said he was going to do uh, he's won both belts he's featherweight champion he's yeah. a lightweight champion at this moment he still has both belts, yeah. Despite what Dana White said, um, yeah. Do you strip him or do you give him a chance to defend two belts? The interesting question to me is if the UFC has the
1: power to do that, and I think Conor McGregor is sending signals that he's he's taking a stance where he's not accepting things that have been accepted before in terms of positions of power. The UFC, unlike boxing, isn't under the Ali Act, and so they don't have. A lot of they're not they're not they don't have the, the type of regulation around independent rankings need to be in place and independent bodies that issue um, belts and and all sorts of stuff like that. So they just kind of keep it in house. It's a really symbolic thing, but that symbolism of these belts has real material impact uh, on, on fighters' lives for opportunities like uh, endorsements. Um, to their, you know, obviously things like rankings play in and the UFC controls their own rankings, which is tied into to Reebok pay and stuff like that. So it's a weird convoluted thing, but I I, I, think, uh, I, I think Conor McGregor deserves a chance to, if, if, if we weren't dealing with all sorts of interesting tension between the two, potentially a big battle, and that wasn't an issue, I think Conor McGregor deserves a chance to, by some point in December, um, accept a date at some point in the future to defend the featherweight title, which would give him a year between winning and accepting the next fight. I think that's fine. And then he'll have a year between winning the lightweight title to uh, accept or fight and defend that title. I, I think we see so many boxers uh, at the highest, highest levels um, get away with fighting once a year um, to defend. I, I don't think you can strip people ethically without, uh, without a champion, without giving them uh, a a chance, especially when someone uh, a chance within a year to defend it or accept a fight to defend their belt, one of their belts, um, especially when someone is active, Conor McGregor, who's fighting different opponents on short notice and stuff like that. So I don't think you sh- he should be stripped. I think he, I think, I think the reason he, I think it's good for for Conor McGregor and for pay per views if this guy holds more belts. The only reason they might consider doing it is because he's accumulating too much power and he's becoming his own promotional beast. Um, And I think that is more a to the UFC. Otherwise,
0: there's no reason to even talk about stripping him. Well, this is just added to his popularity, so I wanted to bring this up today. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Fansided is doing this thing. It's an inaugural thing, Fandom 250, where basically we're gathering the 250 greatest fan bases around the world, sports, entertainment. uh, It's not one or the other. It's all fan bases together and ranking them. And the rankings don't come out until early December, December 6th, actually. But they're announcing 10 things that, 10 hmm. things that have made the list at a time. So today they announced uh, the next set of 10. And that 10 included the UFC, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, and Brock Lesnar. Who's cool. also in there partially for the WWE stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so those four things have been announced. So the interesting thing about this, though, was that the UFC was nominated as a whole. Yeah. Were you surprised to see the UFC, no other league like the NBA, NFL, none of that got in there? Were you surprised to see that UFC fans as a whole got nominated as a group?
1: Not. It is definitely remarkable, like you're saying, What I'm not surprised because that's by and large been their approach to promoting. It's brand first, um, league first, if you want to call the league organization first, and, and, and fighter stars um, afterwards. So I think the UFC has become a name so synonymous with uh, the sport of mixed martial arts at a professional level, that it makes sense, kind of like a Xerox, meaning like a, a copy, or a Kleenex, meaning a uh, a tissue paper, right? Like it's different than uh, than the NFL in, 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 in that way or MLB. You still say baseball. You still say football. You might say pro football or pro, you know, pro baseball. So uh, it makes sense. It is definitely an interesting thing that's worth remarking on. Good, bad, I don't know. But, it, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised because so many people – they think of
0: UFC as, an, as the name of a sport, ultimate fighting as, as the name of a sport, you know? It's like a Band Aid or Kleenex. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. the product is so synonymous with it. I stole my the Kleenex thing.
1: example, but I didn't say Band Aid. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Band-Aid. No, yeah, there's, there's some brands that are so strong where they
0: can, you know, we just right. we don't think about it. We just, exactly. You know? Um, and you guys can join the conversation on Twitter and social media by using hashtag fandom250. For the three fighters that were involved, who has more fans? or better fans yeah
1: yeah that's ultimately this is
0: about which fan base is the best not which one is the largest
1: yeah well Connors, in terms of best I mean Connors fans seem to follow him around the world which is kind of interesting to see I I heard there were a lot of folks to travel to New York I've seen people travel from Ireland to to Vegas for certain to see him Um, I I don't know I I think uh, you you probably want to go with like Brock Lesnar having more because he's been on the WWE and an mma scene longer than either conor mcgregor or ronda rousey and he has that that mixture ronda rousey i think has m- the most mainstream awareness like around her but i don't know if they're like fans like fan-sided fans conor though is knocking on the door for total fans he has to be because i mean eddie Alvarez is as great as he is and i think he's you know he's a, he's a future hall of famer people unfairly didn't really know who he he was unless you're like a hardcore mma fan Mm -hmm. what i'm getting at is what is probably the best-selling ufc in history breaking two previous conor mcgregor-led cards uh was something that he probably carried completely on his own so now if you look at like the last nine months he sold more pay-per-views in in a year than any boxer probably has since
0: mike tyson so like he's got to be getting really, really popular. I'm just guessing, you know? We were talking earlier, and I think Conor McGregor wins. Like, yeah. Brock Lesnar surely has a lot of fans. Mm. Ronda Rousey surely has a lot of fans. Ronda Rousey, I th- Brock would be the less, lesser of the three, mm. I think, because he has a lot of fans. But it's not people don't, aren't as invested in Brock Lesnar as they are the other two. Ronda Rousey, she transcends the mainstream, so she kind of pulls fans from different areas. And she definitely, she's been a big supporter of um, women and empowering women. And she definitely has a strong following there. But what you see with McGregor is ridiculous. Hmm. the The amount of people that were at the weigh-ins—it was like fifteen, sixteen thousand—is a lot. Is a bigger number than a lot of UFC events. Oh yeah, the A most, lot of UFC yeah, events. Yeah. Most UFC events. Yeah, right. Um, and that's just for a weigh-in, and not oh. even an actual weigh-in, a yeah. fake weigh-in. And that in itself, I mean, like the Irish people traveling and the singing. I mean it's gotten to the point where Conor McGregor doesn't even have to get into his opponent's heads anymore. Yeah. His fans do it for him. Like you saw it at the press conference, like the fans were chanting at Eddie and Eddie's focus was strictly on the fans. So that's crazy. It's been, uh, it's been, you know, an interesting thing to watch his rise. And I think fans are so much more invested in Conor mm-hmm. McGregor than that's, they are in Ronda Rousey. I think Ronda Rousey fair. brings a lot of appeal and she's maybe by far more famous. Yeah. 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 But I think he's got a better fan base. That makes sense. That's
1: a, it's a really cool, uh,
0: cool thing you guys are doing as well. I think that's a fun, that's a fun, that's uh, a fun thing to be voting on. But since the UFC is uh, on the list, Conor McGregor says he wants a piece of that pie. Yeah. Do you think he deserves equity in the company? I, I do, actually. Um, I've got to, really. I would have thought you'd have been like, no.
1: Yeah. No. I, I actually, I actually do. I think, uh, I think. Put it this way, I think he's got a really good argument for it for for a couple reasons. One, as crazy as it seems, because the UFC has never had anything like that. It's actually not without precedent, and precedent in two ways. One, within, with the current new owners uh, of the UFC, WME, IMG, they opened up shares of the company to clients of theirs. They represent a lot of you know, A-listers out there. So now we've got a whole bunch of you know, undetermined amount of like, uh, or unknown amount to the public of minor, minority share owners. So they're doing that type of piecemeal parsing out of stuff, right? Uh, and secondly, in boxing, it's not unheard of at all. People with, who sell uh, less and draw less than Conor McGregor who are in boxing long ago transitioned into promoter roles, right? It's actually a very common thing. You'll even see it like in the music industry. You get to a certain level and you might, they might give you your own, um, your own label within a, within a record company. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather Jr., just to name two big examples within the last 20 years, when they reached a point uh, of a big drawing power they actually ended up doing their own promoting right now listen they probably leveraged their their name and their sweat equity i don't know how much cash either um had to put up uh, exactly to do that but at the end of the day they became co-promoters uh and and also it didn't happen without acrimony right uh, oscar de La Hoya, to do that had to go to war with with uh top rank bob arum's top rank promotions Floyd Mayweather had a lot of difficulty as well separating from top rank. This stuff happens, and it happens usually because fighters get fed up the way Conor McGregor clearly seems fed up. We didn't see the just pure adulation after that win uh, like we've seen so many times before. Right away, he was insulting the UFC and the new owners and mocking how cheap, he called them cheap mother effers because he didn't have a second belt re- ready. He was right away putting them on blast and saying this is like a rinky-dink thing. they had thing. that belt
0: there? They might not have put him he might not have put him
1: he, on he probably wouldn't have, but you could t- it's revealing that it was in his mind, and right. then when he talked, he followed up later and saying, I, "I want equity." I think he has a, if Conan O'Brien and Mark Wahlberg have, uh, have have some small piece of it, he has a good argument furthermore uh, and, and other boxers who are selling similar or less paper uses him, I I think, I think he has a good argument to say it, and also I think it's a pretty easy way for the new owners to like to make him happy they can, they can try to make him a client. And then they can give him a share like they do with other clients, which is a big ethical concern if you're promoting and managing someone in boxing be against federal law. But they can do it. It's not against law right now in MMA. So I think it's an easy thing for him to do. I think it's a good argument to say he deserves it because he is just selling a ridiculous amount.
0: Yeah, what's uh, also interesting is that McGregor tweeted about it in 2014. Sure did and said he wanted equity so this isn't like a new idea this is always the end game yeah Yeah, look at this kid isn't that that's that's hilarious isn't it (laughs) but talking about fighters who are fed up nate diaz yeah he supposedly i guess was in new york thought he was going to ufc 205 he said that they gave away his tickets to nick jonas and uh they were trying to keep him out of ufc 205 and of course there was a video of him leaving a club which was like conor mcgregor's uh, supposedly where his victory yeah. party was, yeah. and saying that he crashed it. Not that there's any evidence that he actually was ever inside <laughs> or near him, but you know that's the headline that's out there. So what do you make of the situation with uh, Nate Diaz being kept away from the UFC, UFC 205? He says it's because they didn't want him to win this moment and then have Diaz lurking there to ruin it. What do you think, fair or foul? Well, I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but I think it's entirely possible. Like, he could just be making it up. Like,
1: they're really good at promoting. And, like you said with the club thing, who knows if he was in there? Who knows if the UFC did or didn't give him a ticket? Like, he, he, there's no talent. But I think he's right that the UFC is showing uh, favoritism towards McGregor over him, and that and that the UFC didn't want, uh, doesn't want, it hasn't shown an eagerness for them to fight again. I mean, after the first two that they had, the amount that they sold, and then the way the second one ended, which was a super close fight that everyone on their feet, you know, across the world watching. Like And then Dana White, the first thing afterwards, like, no, we're not going to do a third one. Oh, you don't like money and excitement and, like, two guys that want to fight each other? Oh, yeah, Nate and Conor both said we want to do it again right next. Like, so I think he's right that the UFC is trying to keep him away from Conor, which is a weird thing because I think if he's right that they're, they're, they're maybe trying to protect him and, and, and keep Conor as a golden child, They're, they're, they're the UFC that is – they're doing it at a moment where he's sending signals that he wants to go to, to war with
0: them, you know. So it's a it's a weird balancing act, protecting and fighting against the guy. Do you think uh, they make that fight the next fight? That's the you know what everybody's talking about now no. that he's the lightweight champion, that his first title defense should be against Diaz. Well, I think it's is it an interestingly good
1: argument. Therefore, it. it'd be really unfair to Khabib or Tony Ferguson, but. I, I write in this column. I think it'll be out tonight at mixedmartialarts.com. I think we should we should save our breath. I think Conor McGregor's next opponent is is the UFC and the new ownership. Uh, I wouldn't look for him to fight anyone if he stay if he sticks to the, what he's saying. Other than them, right now, um, maybe that's that's one way that it could. It could, it could, uh, they can get him out there. But if he sticks to what he's saying for asking for equity, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion to go on. And I think we're seeing a situation now where now that he's made the
0: history with belts, belts don't matter. Conor McGregor does. Well, the belts are a promotional tool. Yeah. anyways. At least you know. that's how the UFC will con- contractually say it. But, but yeah, well. Um, and if that, speaking of which, going back to stripping them, if that's what they're truly there for, promotional purposes, you don't take them off McGregor. But, I agree, unless you're worried about him having too much power. You know. that, they crossed that bridge. But, <laughs> they really have now. Speaking of which, you, brought, we're, you know while we're talking about his next opponent, of course, there was the infamous run-in with Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> yeah. So Floyd Mayweather uh, was asked if he saw the fight, and he said he didn't, and he... Uh, basically said it was disrespectful to compare McGregor to him Yeah. So made the comment that the elephants don't concern themselves with the ants. <laughs> and, uh, of course then they caught up with McGregor who asked who they asked if, uh, what he thought of Floyd's comments and Floyd, uh, McGregor basically said, tell him to say it to my face. Yeah. That's a, left that, it at that, that. that's an amazing response. So, and also now Floyd's wrong. Now
1: kind of McGregor sells as much as he does. And if you talk like per fight is in that area. And he does it a lot more often, so he just he sells more in like any given year than or this past year, two years than, than you ever have. So Connor's a like he's 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 a as big of a star as, as Floyd Mayweather, I think, a big of a draw at least. So that brings up the question: Do you want to see it? Depends on the rules. If it's in MMA rules, yeah, absolutely, because it educates people on the difference between MMA and other fine, amazingly challenging, but much more limited structurally um, fighting styles. If it's in boxing, no, that's 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 silly. I think like I think I saw something. Conor said he'll do it for a hundred million. That sounds about right because he's losing in boxing, and Floyd is lasting a few seconds uh, before having his world crushed around him in MMA. So I don't I don't want if they fought MMA. Yeah, I'll see anyone fight MMA because I think MMA is such a cool thing. Who's gonna win when
0: there's very limited It'd be rules? Throwback, in the biggest of ways. absolutely. But do you? do you so you don't think that if do best right.
1: out of three one of each right, right. <laughs> no i'm sorry go ahead.
0: so boxing then mma and then the third would be like the old school ufc where like floyd can have a glove on but like a hand free <laughs> and he can yeah, be wearing right. shoes that's fine i think i think that uh, would be like the, the
1: rubber match <laughs> rules. if Carter if doesn't get hurt too badly in the first boxing one i think he has a good chance to, to
0: win two out of three there so do you think that floyd Wipes the floor with McGregor in the boxing ring, or do I you mean, think McGregor holds his own? Does McGregor? I mean, probably. You so don't mean, think that if McGregor can land one left, he can really swing momentum and make things interesting?
1: Oh, he definitely could. I, I think the only the thing that Conor McGregor has going for him, in addition to the fact that he's a very good functional boxer, what I mean by that is he's very good at taking boxing skills and putting him in a more realistic setting than a boxing match, which is actually harder to do. If you you know, in a sense. Uh, but you put him in a more limited environment where, where, uh, where it's just boxing. Someone who's only focused on that since since before Conor probably ever did any martial arts. And Floyd Mayweather, he doesn't have a really good chance of, of connecting very often. But uh, I, I think Conor's really good. But uh, I, I think Floyd's, his only real chance is if Floyd's getting much, much older, much, much slower. right? Like Maybe he can catch him because Floyd's about to be 40 and Conor's still in his 20s. Other than that, prime versus prime in boxing... I, clearly, I think Floyd. Floyd. That would be disrespectful to Floyd Mayweather to say that that Conor McGregor would beat him. Con, I know. I know people are saying that, and good, Mark Henry is saying that now, and all that. But no, I, I don't. Conor McGregor showed amazing combinations against Alvarez, but he's not beating. He's not beating Bobby Fischer
0: in chess, and he's not beating Floyd Mayweather in boxing. The other thing is his stance, mm-hmm. like Conor McGregor's stance. I was thinking about that. Like, yeah. I don't know that that would translate to boxing as well. He stands a lot wider yeah. than a boxer would because he's. Thinking about those kicks, he likes to throw. Right, right, right. No, it's so. true.
1: It, I tell you, it's... Uh, and they're both
0: counter-strikers, which would be... Yeah, yeah he might not have a thing. ton of
1: punches. Would, Counter-stance wouldn't do great in a Muay Thai. He'd probably get that leg eaten up. Might be better in boxing. But, yeah, it's interesting. No, I think either guy in their sport demolishes the other more than likely.
0: Let's try and get Brian Caraway on All the line right. right now. We haven't even talked about Joanna and Carolina. Oh, man, that was an amazing fight. Can you believe that Carolina lasted that long? That at the end of the fight, she was still... still so tough. Uh, so tough. And had her moments, right? Like, buzzed Joanna
1: several times. Made it really, really interesting and <laughs> compelling. Yeah, she's... Uh, I'll continue on for a moment. You let me know when he's on, but... If you want... But, yeah, that was, that was a crazy fight. That's about how I saw... I, I thought... Carolina wouldn't be able to keep up with the pace of Joanna for that long. Joanna's just too well conditioned. Uh, Carolina uh, can probably get it done in the future, become a world champion. But right now, Joanna's just uh, she's just another beast right now. Against anyone other than like Claudia Gadelha, I think
0: it's just she'll she'll, she'll make that gap between, become evident later in fights. Yeah, uh, we're having a little difficulty getting Brian on the phone. Uh, Seems to be a trend here. Mm. Him and Joseph Benavidez, man. No if he's making an <laughs> avocado making an avoc- sandwich, <laughs> but
1: uh, well, if he if he says I was making lunch, we're gonna ask him what he was eating. We had a good conversation I mean, with Joe these about West that. West Coast people,
0: it's lunchtime for them. So that should <laughs> well be the case. That's so, true. but with Joanna, I mean, do you feel like she won as impressively as we have we've seen her in the past? I mean, she came um, out of that maybe looking a little worse for the wear than Carolina did. Yeah, well, I think she probably broke her nose. So, like, you you jack up your nose and it, it makes everything look yeah, worse. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it, and it also doesn't tickle. Like, it's real damage that that Carolina deserves credit for. Um, you know, I think I think uh, you know Joanna wins by decision. Sometimes she goes against incredibly durable people like Valerie Letourneau. She she dominated that fight. Valerie lasted because she's amazingly tough, and then she got she got some shots in. So yeah, I think it's definitely a tougher fight um, than sometimes. But I don't think it was tougher than to fight against like. Claudia, Godella, the second one, or maybe even the first one before uh, she was champion. So, I think there's really, I think there's, um, again, I think we've talked about this in the past. We've got a dominant champion in a sense because she's defending her title a bunch, but it's also, there's a lot of parody at the top of that division. There's a lot of women, like, Carolina's fight before that was a pretty close one too. Like, there's the top of that um, strawweight division for women. There's, you know, any given
0: night, any one of them can give the champion a lot of trouble. She's, I mean, she's outlasting and outpointing people in a lot of ways. And that part of that was kind of what was so surprising about Carolina was to see her have that big fourth round. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's but, true. you know, it's weird because she's, like, right on the cusp of there being still enough parity. Mm. But, like, in the dominant, cleaned out the division. You know, the Claudia, like, there could be a third fight oh, there. Yeah. That could be um, definitely something worth watching. 100%. Um, Carlos Barz is kind of working her way back sure. into uh, Jessica um, Andra uh, uh, Aguilar? No, wait.
1: Who she just? Andrade fought is a in Cleveland, way, right? Or no? Am I getting confused now? It
0: might have been. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but uh, we uh, might both be? But go on. Yeah, <laughs> there's a you know there's some interesting matchups potentially there. So there are. Yeah, I mean I would see her move up if they do 125 because I think the cut's tough. But I mean, do you, do you create a like you've seen that the interest that's built around Conor McGregor, and do you think that you need to go out there and create a flyweight division and let Joanna do the same thing well yeah
1: i think there should yeah and i think first not even having to do with her there there is a great women's flyweight division and, and the ufc is behind the times and not including it just like there's featherways there's like, a lot you know, of women fighting at bantamweight who would yeah. be at flyweight jessica a- I, absolutely one misha tate probably who just retired probably would have been a great uh flyweight we've got adamweight before that 105 we've got people uh forced to fight at 115 in the UFC right now that are, like, really Adam Waits. Someone like Alex Chambers or um, the young lady um, uh, who's going to be fighting. She's out of Jackson. They call her Karate Hottie. Michelle, uh, Michelle Waterson. Waterson. Thank you. Yeah. She used to fight at Adam weight, And maybe they're fine now above. But, yeah, no, we need more divisions. And, like, if there were, boy, Joanna would be a great pick to probably become a two-division champion as well. 100%. Right. Um. Well,
0: anyways, let's uh, – somebody in the chat's telling us, Jessica Andrade, is the – is the girl that has the strength to challenge Joanna. And she fought the Scottish girl at UFC 203 yeah, I yeah, think. yeah right, And she right, right. She uh dominated her pretty well. Yeah. Um Joanne Calderwood. Yep. Yep. Um so well she's l- got the strength. She definitely does. That was Angelo chiming in with that comment too. By the way, if you guys have comments feel free to drop them in the comments below. We'll Thanks some. Angelo. We have a uh, Someone's saying Brock does have the WWE Universe behind him. To going back to the Fandom 250, mm. WrestleMania gets pretty bonkers. And uh, Jack saying, what are the chances Connor takes the welterweight title, in your guys' opinion? <laughs> That's a good question. Not something we had talked about on our agenda. Yeah. But there, one of the things this weekend was at the press conference, Conor McGregor uh, saying he would take Tyron Woodley's belt. Not that specifically, but the other belt over there, which was his. And then there was the uh, – when him and Eddie Alvarez were having that thing, and Tyron Woodley had his phone out and I'm disappointed in him for not yelling out world star because how many opportunities in life do you have to film a video on your camera phone and yell out world star? Um, but anyways, he filmed it and he put it out there and then him and Connor had some exchange on Twitter because Connor wasn't a fan. Then there was the thing incident kind of at the more, the weigh-ins that yeah. seemed to get blown a little bit out of proportion from how the media perceived it. Mm. And I was there and I, you know, saw it and I was like, Oh, cause Tyron Woodley snapped back and looked at him and you like, and Connor was staring and, wasn't backing down. I was calling, but names. then when you watched it on the embedded, it seemed a lot more tame than mm. it looked from afar. Mm. Um, and then of course at the ceremonial way in backstage, they were getting into it and exchanging words. Connor yeah. was him and, uh, Habib. So there's definitely some build up there. And then yeah. interestingly enough, the belt that Connor lifted as a second was Tyron Woodley's. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely some story there. And Tyron was, or Connor was asked about it afterwards. And he was like, there might be a little foreshadowing there. Right. Um, so, back to the question, which was, what are the chances Connor can take the welterweight title in your guys' opinion? I don't think very good against Tyron Woodley. Yeah. Tyron Woodley is a big welterweight who's his size and just has a lot of muscle and hits hard. Um, that being said, I've learned not to doubt mm-hmm. Connor ever. Connor seems to be a master at game planning and sticking to it. And not that his game plans varied that different between fights, but he's able to adjust accordingly and then um make the most of it. Yeah. So um but I just I feel like yeah, it's a well
1: that's a horrible division for him. Everyone talks about Nate, D- Nate Dana White talks about Nate Diaz being like the super heavyweight champion of the world or something, but Nate Diaz is a tall, slim dude who's a lightweight.
0: Nobody cuts nobody fights Except for like a heavyweight fights at a weight class where they don't cut. Yeah, very. Few. And Connor like he weighs one seventy. Right. Walking around. Yeah. Tyron Woodley weighs two or five walking around. I'm sure. I mean, he makes Nate Diaz to be this beast. Like, yeah. Walking, you know, three times the size of me. Nate That's Tyron like, Woodley yeah. in real life. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, no,
1: there's no good matchups. Steve, you know, Connors a better striker than Tyron, but Tyron's you know bigger and a better wrestler. Uh, Stephen Thompson is. Really tall, Damian Maya would like it. Just it's a, it, listen if you hang around and if you hang around and exchange punches with Conor McGregor at at length, yeah, you're you know you're probably get knocked out eventually. But assuming these people aren't dumb enough to do that, they actually have the physical attributes, as Conor says, to to give him problems. So Conor can knock out a mule if you, if the mule stands there and lets him get a shot in. But uh, if they fight, I don't like his chances. Again, I don't think. Th- I, I, uh, who, who asked the question? There? I forget. Jack. Jack. Good question. I, I really think Connor's next fight is, is the UFC at, at whole. So I don't think he has a good chance of fighting anyone right now, but other the, than that. The thing
0: is, he does this thing where he just sits there and he bounces on his toes and he mm. bounces on his toes and he waits for the person to come in, which is totally something Tyron Woodley would do. Sure. He he pushes forward very quickly, right? Um, and goes to land that big shot, and that's. Almost exactly what Jose Aldo did when he got caught, yeah. and that's what Alvarez did when he got caught that first time, which looked visually almost identical yeah. to uh, the yeah. Aldo knockout. That's true. He like he came in forward, Connor backed out, caught him with the left, and no? he went down. And he popped up quicker. Otherwise, it would have been yeah, remar- no, it would have true. been a mirror image of the Aldo. No, it's
1: true. Ty- Listen, Tyron. He shouldn't he would have to make adjustments? He'd have to really give respect. But Tyra, you know, but has he has a better chin than both those guys. He, he's yeah, i he, He's he has a better chin when it comes to taking
0: punches from a featherweight. I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine so. <laughs> right. Well, let's uh, move on. We haven't heard from Brian Caraway, so apologies there. Um, so we do have another guest on the line. We have UFC middleweight Gegard Mousasi. He's fighting Uriah Hall in the main event of the card at Belfast. Uh, on Saturday, part of a doubleheader. So, first up, uh, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, Doc.
0: How are you? Doing well. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time out to talk to us during what's a busy fight week for you. No problem. Now, you said you didn't want uh, think the UFC would make this fight. Were you surprised that they did?
2: Well, I didn't think they would make the fight because... Um I think uh, I'm in the top five, he's coming off losses and I'm coming off wins, so, but uh, you know, the Belfast uh, main card fell off, they called me, and uh, uh, I said yes, so they went and called uh, Uriah Hall and convinced him to take the fight, and now we are here.
0: Now you lost the first time you guys fought, were you excited when they made this fight because you had a chance to avenge that loss?
2: Well, you know, I think because I, I said in the interviews I want to fight Anderson or I, I want to fight as soon as possible or I want my rematch with Uriah Hall. I think uh, saying that in the media it, uh, and after my performance uh, against Vitor, uh, I said I'm ready to fight this year very soon again. So I think uh, uh, I was available. So and uh, that's the fight I wanted. So it, it, UFC could make it.
0: Now, have you looked at your last fight uh, with your eye haul and analyze it to see how you need to adjust.
2: Oh, you know, I, I can adjust to any stuff. I think that's my strongest point. Uh, you know, uh, I got caught last time, and uh, uh, it's not gonna happen soon because uh, I'm not gonna rush. I'm gonna take my time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to uh, to win. Uh, decision, boring fight, knockout, uh, submission, whatever comes. I'm not here to. Uh, uh, to go crazy like the first time, I uh, just uh, think I'm gonna. Uh, I respect the guy, you know. He took the fight, so uh, and uh, he won fair and square. You know, you can't take that away from him. So, you know, he has uh, he's always dangerous. So you have to respect that. And uh, and um, you know, overall, I think I'm the better fighter, so I'm gonna show that.
0: And you've lamented the way that people are talking trash to promote themselves. And we saw after your last fight, you were um, much more open and vocal. In your post-fight press conference, than you had been in the past, uh, are you seeing the benefits of it, or are you thinking about doing it more?
2: Well, I'm just being me, you know. I'm not, uh, I'm not pretending to be somebody else. I'm just, uh, I'm more vocal. I just uh, give my opinion. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm. Uh, I am just uh, looking for the fight that I want, and uh, if people call, ask me who you want to fight, i just I just give them straight answer. so uh, you know you I it's a match that I always wanted, and Anderson that was a fight that I wanted simply because of his big name. And of course, I want to fight for the belt, but uh, I'm not there yet, so it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to call call out this thing because uh, you know you have guys ahead of me.
0: Now, from the outside, it appears like you're hungrier and maybe more motivated than you have been in the past. Is that uh, true or accurate?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, at the end of the week, uh, end of the training camp, you're always tired. You're always, you're cutting weight the last week. You're not, you're not uh, uh, so excited to fight, but, uh, you know, I, I look forward to this fight. I know once the case closed, uh, I would like to finish him, you know, Uh that's my intention, but uh, like I said, I'm gonna take my time, so I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna make any mistakes. It's gonna be uh, calm and collected.
0: And since you brought up the title uh, shot earlier, how far away do you think you are from earning a title shot?
2: Well, you know, after this, I think one more fight against the top contender, and uh, I could be next. You know, the guys that are ahead of me now are uh, Luke Rockold and Jacques. Your Romero is getting his shot. So those are the two guys, uh, you know, I fought uh, Jacare. So probably if I win this, uh, I will look for a fight against uh, your Rocco. But it depends when he's healed up and he's coming back. So I'm looking someone that's going to get me a title shot.
0: Interesting. Uh, this is also your third fight in five months, fourth this year. Are you looking to kind of keep going at this pace?
2: Uh, Well, it depends, you know, I think uh, one of the things is uh, March, they have a UK show, it's close by to me, so I would like to fight there, but I hear also they're coming back to Holland, so I want to be on that card, so I have to, but most important for me is to fight in Holland, so I have to figure out when it is, and uh, if I have to fight one before or wait, Uh, but uh, I heard something in May. I don't know when it is. So uh, if I if I after this fight if I take rest, I'm gonna be out for six months probably. If I want to fight in Holland, so probably I, I will keep a busy one fight before that, and uh, hopefully fight the uh, middle of uh, next year in uh, Holland. So two fights very
0: soon. Now they talked about uh, the middleweight title being kind of like a four-man tournament with Wyman, Romero, Jacare, and Rockhold. Uh, obviously, the Rockhold Jacare fight came out or didn't come to fruition. But did you watch the Weidman-Romero fight, and what did you think if you did?
2: Well, you know, Weidman, um, I think uh, afterwards you can always say, I think he was too much uh, trying to grind it out uh, and making his stamina the big factor in that fight to win the fight. And, uh, but, you know, your Romero, I think he has, uh, his stamina is not that great, but, you know, the guy is smart. Uh, he doesn't do a lot in the first, and then in the second and the third, he picks up the pace, and uh, you know he just got caught. Uh, I think he did well in the first round. Second was a guy for you, Romero, and uh, you know you Romero is a guy. He's coming back always in the third round. He's always dangerous because he pace himself for the later rounds because uh, he knows he knows he's, uh, he cannot go three rounds full. You know, so he's a smart fighter.
0: Now we were talking earlier on the show about Conor McGregor afterwards, uh, his tirade in the cage, yelling at the UFC for not having the belt, um, not wanting to apologize to anybody. What did you think of his post-fight tirade?
2: You know, I enjoy watching him. Uh, he's entertaining. Uh, I got nothing against the guy. You know, he wants, so you have to give him the respect uh, for, uh, to, to step up, you know. He steps up, so you have to respect that, you know, and... Uh, other than that, uh, you know, uh, he overdo it sometimes, but uh, he, he does. He puts uh, people on their seats, you know. He's uh, he knows what he's doing uh, to keep people uh, be interested, you know. And it's uh, actually good for uh, for for all the UFC, you know. He brings a lot of attention, a lot of people, a lot of eyes. So you can't you can't blame the guy for doing what he's doing. As long as long as it's not me he can do whatever he wants <laughs> I, I don't care
0: <laughs> not that not that people need to emulate him or try to be him but you say he's you know bringing people and attention to the sport are there lessons to be learned from him well you know i, I felt uh Khabib was
2: nice you know at his interview at his press conference uh, not welcome but uh he's uh, after the fight you know he got you know It depends. People just need to speak up, you know, uh, just a little bit. I don't say they need to go overboard, but uh, like Khabib got also a lot of attention simply because he had a dominant win and uh, he spoke his mind. And uh, that's what people want. They don't need to somebody who's going to trash talk. People like just if people give their opinion, you know. uh, I understand that being uh, respectful or polite or humble or, you know, it's not gonna get you nowhere. It's just, uh, you just—you don't need to go overboard to go crazy, but just—just uh, just say what you feel, and uh, I think people appreciate that uh, once you're yourself, you are know? yourself.
0: You mentioned to be. Does he get the next title shot in your mind?
2: No, no, no. They—they're gonna protect McGregor. That's, that's, that's not that's not a fight that uh, that they're gonna do.
0: Well, thank you uh, so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you uh, this weekend with your fight. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. So a couple interesting nuggets there from yeah, uh, Gaegard. I don't know where to start. One, he thinks that the UFC will protect Conor McGregor yeah, yeah. and not schedule him to fight Habib, um, which is interesting and in a popular opinion in a lot of people's minds. Uh, the other thing, he said he wants to fight Luke Rockhold. I don't know if he said that before
1: yeah i hadn't heard that actually uh i I sent the little rock hold signal out when as he was saying that Uh, we'll see if we get a
0: response back from from luke uh letting him know about that
1: but yeah that's a that's a great fight if they're both healthy and both ready
0: yeah and i thought it was interesting that you know he also mentioned that he wanted to wait until uh wait to fight in the european cards yeah you know that's um for him obviously a shorter trip and more important to him but yeah that's uh that's interesting you know Let's talk about Rockhold Masasi if yeah. that were to happen. I sure. mean, don't want to look past Uriah Hall by yeah. any means. Of course, but, obviously not. he beat him. Already, um, but yeah, what do you, what's your first read of that fight? I think that's a really cool
1: technical strikers uh, match with two guys that are also really great grapplers. I think that could go either way. I think, um, you know, my my initial thought is like Luke would want to mix up his striking with pressing against the cage and and working to, to to beat up and 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 make uh, Musasi feel his size a little bit but Musasi has fought it at, at 205 for many years like he's not easy to push around even if you're you know a little bigger than him so i think that would be a really really cool fight between two of the more well-rounded dudes um in that division so yeah i'd love it if, if it if it ends up happening where it makes sense for both of their careers and the timing psh, that would be a cool fight. And if it happened in Europe, it could be a headlining thing, right? Musasi can, can, can headline something in
0: the Netherlands. That would be cool. Yeah. You know, and since their little four-man tournament kind of fell apart, yeah. why not make Rockhold uh, Musasi if he were to beat yeah. Raijal, of course, right, right. a number one contender fight? That would be fascinating. Yeah, I think, no, I think so. And it, I might be wrong here, but I believe Musasi beat think when they fought. Um, Yeah, what the hell? Let me look that up. No, I'll I, look it up on the Yeah, computer. let's see. Yeah, no,
1: I would love that. Yeah, there's we still got a little bit of muddledness up there in the division, but with Rockhold being injured, I guess it sets him back. Where he, you know, a little bit, but he's just still probably if he if he comes back and wins whatever he fights next, you'd think he should be up there in contention. Hey, anyway. He lost. He did lose, right? 2014. I was going to say because I, I don't remember the last time how could I lost other than to Rockhold. So okay, thanks checking that. Uh. Out, which is a close decision. Um, but yeah, no, that's a I think that's a that's a good fight. Yeah, how can I choke them out, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it's okay. a submission late in the third round. Okay, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really cool fight, and I think Musashi is coming into his own. He's always been an amazing fighter. He's fought internationally for forever, but he's coming into his own and feeling comfortable. Um, when he's talking, like we don't have like some long-standing relationship with him, but he seemed really at ease. He was thinking about answers, elaborating. He was making some jokes. Like he's a really fun, interesting guy. Uh, the guys, guys that we know who like do interview him a lot, they've always said that. They said that Fear is like, man, if this guy did interviews, like he talks to me in private, like he's hilarious. He's a fun guy. Like he's he,
0: not. Do over it. the top No he's Like subtle. he said He's being honest But I mean like You might not have even caught That he threw in that little barb At McGregor And <laughs> right. for those of you Don't know When he was like As long as he's not messaging me It's because there was this um, <laughs> Supposedly he said Some not some nice things About McGregor And McGregor threatened him With a knife And Twitter DMs or something <laughs> Yeah right It was a civil so, war Yeah which is becoming More and more Conor McGregor's M.O. Like if yeah. you talk bad About McGregor He's gonna I mean he's gonna call you out Like the Tyron Woodley Posting the video Of them fighting on stage yeah. Oh, We actually have uh, Brian calling right now Oh, cool. Hey, Brian, are you there?
3: Hey, yes, I
0: am. Hey, thanks for uh, taking the time out to join us. You ready? Yep. Well, first of all, we wanted to t- uh, talk to you about UFC 205. You got to kind of witness it without being a fighter and going through that. You were coaching. Um, what was the whole experience like for you?
3: Um, <clears throat> heartbreaking. Heartbreaking? C- completely heartbreaking.
0: Just because of the way that it panned out, you didn't really get to enjoy any of it?
3: Um, just, no, I mean, there's a lot of deeper levels I could talk to for a long time, but just, uh, seeing someone's, uh, heart not be there. Um, I think everybody's watched her fight before and you I mean, anybody that knows anything about anything fighting or MMA could see that she wasn't in, in, she wasn't even in the fight within the first, you know, minute of the fight. You watch like all of her skill technique, her movement or everything. It was just her heart wasn't there and there was no tenacity. There's just there's just nothing there. And I knew with right away I didn't care if she was fighting uh, you know a little pink bunny rabbit out there. She wasn't gonna win the fight. Um, just by the way she was fighting and uh, you know it was just really heartbreaking. I didn't expect her to, to say what she said after that wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. didn't know about that at all. and uh, yeah, you know, I, I know that's obviously a big big subject story, but I really don't <clears throat> I really don't want to talk about it.
0: Understandable. I mean, it caught a lot of people off guard, and certainly, um, I think feel like a lot of people are trying to uh, process it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Brian. You know, I and I was gonna because obviously this is Elias, by the way, and you've got a, you've got a big title contenders fight coming up with jimmy rivera real soon and we're gonna we're gonna dig into that and and we can jump right into that i i will say the thing i was thinking about um asking you after this and and you don't you definitely don't have to answer it if you don't if if you don't want because i don't think people have a great appreciation for just how how much this stuff means to the people involved uh and and you guys have been in such a unique position for so many years where you're each other's coaches training partners and that's just i can't imagine how how difficult that is i I was going to ask you um if you would have gotten any indication um, of the stuff that was worrying you in the fight as you watched it, like before, and again, you don't you don't have to answer that if you don't want. Um, we can jump into the next one, but you know, I saw that you had talked to MMA Junkie and you said, you know what, you you'd saw that you'd seen some some things that maybe disturbed you before, and I was just wondering if that had been something that had, you had seen some things in camp and stuff that maybe you didn't um, that worried you even before the fight.
3: I mean nothing about the retiring. Just just how she, uh, you know, how she was fighting in the last fights. Even when she won the world title against Holly Holm, she wasn't herself really, and uh, you know she won the fight. But you know, I I, I don't. I'm not going to go on record and say you know. I guess what I, I don't feel like sure. talking about sure. what's going on. But, no, uh, Yeah, I mean, there's some things you know. The, the camp was you know good. The, the fight week was actually the, probably the best fight week that we've actually had. In- <laughs> And probably sorry, in probably 10 years. I mean, the whole fight week was phenomenal. Her weight cut went phenomenal. Like, it was one of the most stress free -free weeks that I've ever coached her. Uh, As far as just everything was going, you know, I don't know, everything was going really smooth. It's just, uh, I don't know, there's just, I don't know, there's a, factors that go into that kind of stuff but yeah i just like getting
1: into it no i can only imagine And you've got you've got your fight with jimmy rivera coming up and i know it's going to be um you're going to do everything you can to 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 flip whatever switch you have to to do the this you know the the rightfully selfish thing you got to do and focus on your own camp now when, when you look at when you look at your opponent obviously he's uh you know he's got a great win streak together and he's got a good record and all that but what do you when you look at the matchup what do you what do you see um in jimmy Rivera if if you're honest, Brian, and how do you think he he matches up or compares maybe to overall quality of of opposition of guys you've already faced and and mostly beaten because you know whether or not everyone is recognizing it. You've got one of the most impressive records in the division, and you're beating uh, the Thank who's who of, of title contenders out there. So I'm curious, what you see in the matchup, and uh, and how you think he he, uh, he compares to guys you've already beaten.
3: I think he's definitely a top contender. I, I always believe that Jimmy Rivera was before he was even signed at the UFC. I, I watched him fight. I've known him for a long time. He actually fought on Ultimate Fighter the same season that I did, and he lost to my friend uh, Dennis Bermudez, uh, who he was actually handily winning that fight. Um, and then, uh, Dennis caught him in a bad position in the rest stop the fight, I think entirely too early, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's a top, you know, he's a top, uh, top fighter in the world and he's where he's at where, you know, for a reason and, uh, he'll be a great challenge and, you know, I'm excited to get in there and test myself. You know, uh, he's a young up and coming guy. He's got a lot of fires on a good win streak and, uh, he's got a lot of confidence building behind him, <clears throat> but I think, you know, Look at his competition who he's been fighting. He hasn't fought anybody like me. The, the one guy that I could say that, that he fought that was legit is, you know, Favor. But Favor's on his way out. Um, you know, I feel like Favor kind of fell in love with the striking game a lot. You know, he got away from the Favor that made him successful. You watched Favor uh, in the WC days or even the early UFC days when he first got in there. He would get in a scramble situation with guys and he'd take him down and he'd elbow them and he'd grind, you know, grind on them. And uh, he kind of got away with that and just started, you know, trying to kickbox people and kind of fell away from his his strengths. And, uh, you know, I see that happen a lot. A lot of wrestlers and a lot of people kind of fall in love with striking and uh, or get away from, you know, their game plan. And uh, I don't know if it's just because Faber's been around a long time. He's kind of at the end of his road. Um, you know, I think he jumped back in there uh, right away after coming off, the you know, lost to Dominant Cruz. And I think he was emotionally uh, not 100% either. And uh, not to take anything away from Jimmy because he executed his game plan perfectly. He did exactly what he needed to do. And I think he's a tough opponent for anybody. But I just, I really believe that uh, you know I'm the next world champion. And I believe that no matter who gets put in front of me, I'm going Im- to impose my will. And uh, whether they know it or not, uh, my game plan or not, and I'm going to come out with the victor.
0: On the flip side of that, you mentioned Faber getting away from what uh, his wrestling, which made him so successful. Do you see somebody like uh, Damian Maya was kind of laying the ground. You know, if you stay true to your grappling roots, you can extend your career.
3: I feel like me and Damian Maya are, are, you know, brothers from another mother.
0: <laughs>
3: I, I love that guy. You know, I love his. I exactly. You know, people might hate or not. I feel like I. You know, I. I'm more well, like more well-rounded. I can have good striking. You know, obviously, I beat Eddie who who is a former WC world champion. And uh, you know, I beat him at his own game. You know, he's one of the best strikers in the division. I out-kickboxed him. That whole fight, and uh you know people like to sleep on my striking because uh, my grappling is such a high level, but yeah, you know I think uh <clears throat> that's that's something that Damien and I have really in common is we know what our strengths are, and we're not afraid to go out there and implement that and get away from what we know is gonna you know win the fight because ultimately we know it's we know it's an entertainment sport, but ultimately winning fights is what gets you world titles, and you know it's what pays the bills, you know you know, fighting excited and getting your paycheck cut in half or possibly getting, you know, cut from the UFC, you know, it's it's a hard balance to say, well, if you're the most exciting fighter, you look at Leonard Garcia, he lost a lot of fights, but how exciting did he have to crazily be to to be able to, you know, keep fighting after that many losing streaks? And he eventually still got cut, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that was his strength anyway. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of being a brawler. So we had a lot of punching power. So I think it's just, you know, it's an important to, to make your own style exciting, you know, and I feel like I'm an exciting fighter. Uh, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of movement in my grappling. My takedowns are very unique, and I think I, you know, make it very exciting for scrambling. I think the fans are getting more educated on what's happening on the ground and grappling. and I think people are starting to appreciate, uh, you know, catch wrestling and jiu-jitsu a lot more these days.
0: Personally, that's my favorite part. I love watching that aspect of things. But you know, you talked about your, tech, your knowing your strengths and weaknesses. You're also really smart when it comes to the sport uh, not only in the cage but i feel like you're becoming really smart outside of the cage and it seems like you're tactfully picking opponents you fought a guy in aljomaine sterling and beat him an undefeated fighter with a lot of momentum you've kind of made that momentum yours jimmy rivera's coming off that big favor uh win that you were talking about now that's another young up-and-coming guy you're making his momentum yours is that the kind of thought process going into it when you're trying to you know figure out what's next for you
3: yeah you know i mean <clears throat> You can plan so much, but I realize you got to bite down on your mouthpiece and fight eventually. I really wanted that John Lineker fight, for one, because he's ranked number two. He's ranked even above Jimmy Rivera. And uh, number three, I I would smoke him. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think a Jimmy Rivera presents a lot more problems than John Lineker. He runs around a lot. He he doesn't like to engage in a fight more. He he tries to make it a mixed martial arts. And what I liked about John Lineker is he'll stand in front of me and he'll fight me. You know what I mean? There's a difference between someone who's going to fight me and someone who's going to play a mixed martial arts game and i don't try to back up and pick people apart uh you know and even though that is a sweet science itself and it, i have mad respect for that like um you know that's just not my style i like to come forward i grapple punch i'm gonna come and fight you you know i, I can tactically tactically beat you oh, sorry that's a i can <laughs> beat you um you know technically um but still by like still coming forward and trying to push the fight you know i'm not trying to win but decision or trying to win a decision i guess that's what i'm trying to get to i'm not trying to be a decisionator you know i'm not trying to just you know do do enough on the scorecards and win. i'm trying to come forward and i'm either trying to knock you out or i'm trying to submit you and finish you you know submit you like I, I don't want it to go to the judge's scorecards and uh you know every second of that fight i'm trying to figure out how to finish you out or knock you out or take you down and choke you
0: You mentioned wanting to make a push for the title shot. Is it frustrating to kind of see the triangle that's developed at the top of the division between Cruz, Garbrandt, and Dillashaw?
3: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, where where'd Garbrandt come from? Yeah,
0: he's beating guys.
3: uh, But you know what? He's beating tough guys but it's a lot more i think marketing than anything else i mean you jump from like number eight in the world to like number five like they moved him up a bunch of spots just to justify him fighting for the title because there's guys like me in front of him that rightfully deserve to fight for the title not saying garbrandt can't go out there and knock out him not saying his skills not there not saying any of that but like he hasn't put in his time you know i beat the number six guy in the world and then i just beat the undefeated Aljamain sterling who's number four in the world you know who is 12 and 0 and had, you know, finished wins over top-level guys. And then you have Garbrandt, who, who's knocked out, you know, Thomas Almeida, but who had Almeida beaten to even get inside the top 10? Almeida hadn't beaten a single top-10-ranked opponent to get inside the top 10. He was ranked the top 10 off a of hype because he was 21-0. He hadn't beat anybody. He hadn't beat a single guy in the top 10, and they put him in the top 10, and then Garbrandt comes in and knocks out a guy who hadn't proved himself, you know, in the UFC, really, uh, even though he was on a 4 or 5 win streak, but against who? Not top contenders and uh you know like i said not to take anything away from garbrandt i think the kid's super talented he has a bright future and uh, he's a very dangerous fighter as you can see he's knocking guys out and uh stylistically i believe that's why he got the fight you know he he knows how to run his mouth he knows how to talk i guess it's the whole Chelsea and conor mcgregor you talked a lot of shit and that's what gets you up front you know and uh it's not really my style um you know i don't really play that that game but you know i guess that's where the sport's going to it's just really unfortunate for me because I'd rather be, you know, good sportsmanship and, and, uh, be a good role model for people. And, uh, instead of, you know, talking a lot of trash and and moving forward like that, I think there's a better way to, to represent the sport. And, and, you know, I I hope that it gets recognized, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll see, I don't know. It's just, I'm going to keep putting my head down and keep on the grind. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll start being a little bit more vocal in interviews and, uh, you know, I, I think my time's coming, you know,
1: I was going to say, you didn't do a bad job of it so far with us. Like, you know, you're, not, yeah. you're not talking trash, but you're, you're giving like Gegard Mursasi, who was on before you, just saying, hey, I'm giving you honest answers, right? So I think uh, you know, along those lines, I was kind of curious. I don't know what your time on the mats may have, how much they may have overlapped or not, but like, did, you, did you ever get much work in with Cordy Garbrandt over at Alpha Male?
3: No, I, I was gone way, way before he came. Uh-huh. Like, you, I was there in like 2010 you know, like five years before he even came. So, you know, I, I haven't got to work with him at all. But I know a lot of guys that that have trained with him there that I'm still friends with. And and uh, you know, the kid's talented, but he's he's got a different skill set than what I have. And uh, you know, what 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 goes in my favor is Garbrandt isn't afraid to fight. He's not one of the guys who'll run from you. And uh, that's the type of guys I like to fight because it's gonna end it's gonna end before the judges' decision. Somebody's getting knocked out. And somebody or somebody's getting choked. And that's what I like. I don't like a guy who's just trying not to fight me and trying to win a, a, a decision. So, uh, you know, I welcome that fight, too. I called him out. You know, he called me out. I I, well, I guess he was trying to call me out. And then they switched it up to a fight. So I, I called him back out. I said, well, okay, let's do this. And then uh, then all of a sudden, he didn't want to do it. And then next thing you know, get gets the title shot. So I said, you know, if I, I'm not going to get the title shot. I want to fight John Lennaker because he's ranked, you know, really high in the top five. Or I wanted to fight Garbrandt because he's got a lot of He's got a lot of hype. He's talking a lot of crap. He wanted to fight me, and then, you know, they bypassed me and gave him the title shot because they think it's going to be a more exciting fight. You know, because you know Dominic Cruz is predominantly a striker, um, and so is Cody Garbrandt. So they think it's going to end in you know, a fantastic striking match. I guess I don't know. It seems like that's what the UFC is pushing these days. They don't really like you know Damien Mayas, and and they don't really necessarily like my style, even though I don't just grapple. You know, I'll, I'll strike with guys. I I was trying to strike with. Yeah, Aljamain Sterling a lot more, but he would just run away, and I was trying to call him out, you know, throwing up my hands, and um, it was that fight was either a matter of who's going to get on the wrestling first, is he going to shoot take me down first, like in first in the first round, or am I going to beat him to the punch? And, um, you know, it was unfortunate, that's why I was excited to fight somebody like Garbana Lineker, who I knew was going to stand in front of me, and we could throw, throw punches, and, and we can be mixed martial artists, we can strike, and we can wrestle, and we can grapple, and we can show, you know, show what mixed martial arts is about.
0: You mentioned a a little nugget in there that you uh, prefer to fight somebody who wants to fight as opposed to somebody who tries to fight for points. Uh, Does that mean that if you were to have a rooting interest in their fight that you would prefer to see Garbrandt win and fight him for the title as opposed to Cruz?
3: Yeah, I think so, honestly, because (laughs) he'll stand there and fight, you know what I mean? And and Dominic Cruz is a really tricky puzzle, and I have mad respect for that, that guy because people... First of all, the way he's went through an adversity is, you know, that that's an inspiration to not only me, but it should be to anybody to, to see him going through all those knee surgeries and, and all those injuries and to come back and to regain his world title. That's just I think, you know, Dominic Cruz should go down in the history books forever. Like he's one of my favorite fighters, even though he runs and like that. He's so uh, artistic in the way he moves and the way he strikes. Um, he puts so much expression into it. And uh, he's such a passionate guy. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Dominic Cruz. And uh, although I I appreciate his fighting style, I don't necessarily like like it as far as, like, guys I like fighting. I like guys who will come forward and finish. I loved when I seen him fight Mizugaki, and he came forward a lot more, and, and he took him down, and he mixed up, you know, finished him on the ground. And he knocked out Mizugaki. I like seeing that passion come back. And then I feel like when these guys get to the top of the sport, it's really hard for them to lay it on the line like that. So they start becoming a lot more precision fighters, kind of like I saw with Frankie Edgar, one of my favorite fighters ever. When he first got in the UFC, he was having these barn burner wars with Tiago uh, uh, Tiago Tabara's and and Tyson Griffin, and was mixing up wrestling striking and was super exciting. Then he realized like. And this is, this is kind of dangerous, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, this is crazy, like, you know, getting too much. And he realized like, Hey, I'm faster than these guys. i have a little bit cleaner striking. I can just hit these guys and run. I can hit these guys and run and I can win these decisions. You know, it's easy money for them. And, uh, you know, although I, I understand his position as a fighter and paying the bills and all that stuff. But, like, I respect somebody a lot more who's going to just bite down their mouthpiece and, and try to finish the fight. It comes down to finishing. That's why I always love Kenny Florian. He always tried to come forward and finish fights, whether it's by knockout or, or, or by submission. So, although I have mad respect for Dominic Cruz's style, um, it, because not everybody, nobody can fight the way he fights. And uh, to come back through the adversity that he showed, came back through is inspirational. But uh, is it my favorite fighting style? Absolutely not. I like guys who try to finish.
0: Do you see uh, Jimmy Rivera as being one of those guys?
3: I don't. I think Jimmy Rivera, he has finished guys, but I think he's, you know, I think he's calculated, but I think he's a guy also who, who, uh, you know, he doesn't try to fight to finish. He just tries to fight almost not to lose.
0: And he hasn't lost since really early in his career. Do you feel like you've, uh, cracked the code or figured out the puzzle? Well,
3: yeah. You know, I don't know about figuring out the code or puzzle. I just think that, you know, who's going to want it more and ultimately who's going to want it more and who's Whose skill set's gonna over overshine the other person's skill set? You know, who's gonna be able to impose their will? And uh, I believe in my heart that I'm gonna be able to impose my will over him, and I believe that my skill will triumph over his skill. And that's what it really comes down to: who wants it more, and and who has the actually athletic and, You know, who actually has a skill? You know, sometimes heart will override skill, and sometimes. You know someone just doesn't quite have enough skill they try and you see these people get beat up in the cage And they get dropped three four times. They keep getting back up and they just quite don't have the skill I believe that I have you know one of the biggest hearts and the best chins in the division and uh, I believe that I'm one of the most talented guys in the world and definitely the most talented guy when it comes to uh, You know jiu and grappling in our division
0: and uh, we'll leave you with this last question your fights in early January or mid January I guess uh, is it rough having a training camp over the holidays?
3: Extremely rough. I mean, I was begging the UFC to give me a fight in December. I even asked Jimmy Rivera. I'm like, dude, let's fight sooner. Let's, <laughs> let's have Christmas. Why, why are you afraid of me, man? Are you, you need the full camp. That's why. That shows me a chink in his armor right now. I'll fight him tomorrow. Like, where are you at, bro? Like, if you're listening to this interview, step up and fight me. If one of these cards fell out, you know, I heard that the, the Melbourne card, the main event, fell out. I'm sure they replaced that. But I was begging to fight him on that card fight me anytime, anywhere, you know, let's uh, fight before Christmas and then have our time with our family, but um, inside word from his camp is, is that they're afraid of me, they need more time to like try to crack my code and figure out how to beat me, and how to beat me is basically punch and run and not fight me. The only way Jimmy is going to fight me is throw little flippy kicks out there, jab and run, and jab and run, throw flippy kicks and jab and run, and and that's that's how he's going to beat me, you know, put um, his money where his mouth is, you know, step up and fight me.
0: Well, thank you uh, so much for taking the time yeah, out to thanks, talk to Brian. us. Uh, best of luck to you in your fight. We can't wait to see it in January.
3: Awesome. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Take care. Or earlier, hashtag fight me before Christmas, bro, hashtag let
0: Brian eat. Like yeah. That's that's awesome. I love that he's out there. It's like, no, let's, how about let's fight now and then let's eat later. Now, anytime a main event or a fight gets pulled out, like that's immediately where my attention's going oh, to turn to. Oh, absolutely. You. I'm going to be like, is, is, you know, I'm gonna, the first thing, like if a fight gets pulled out, like yeah. the Albany main event or something, yeah. I'm going to immediately go to Brian Caraway's Twitter and try and see if he's uh, he's already angling for that fight. So, wanted to move right along because we're running out of time, but we have uh, Uriah Hall on the phone. Uh, Uriah, how are you? What's up? Sorry for the delay in getting started. Um, you shared a story about being intimidated yesterday when you are doing a Facebook Live about being intimidated when you fought uh, Gagar Musashi the last time in Japan. Uh, you won that fight, so is this fight week different?
2: Um,
4: not really. You know, he's gonna be a little more hungry, he's gonna be more cautious. I mean, you've seen his fights after mine, he's just like, I'm not messing around anymore. which was good, so I woke him up. If anything, I think I kind of helped him out. So he said, Alright, I'm at the best of myself, so let me take him out. So, bring that shit on, man.
1: Hey, Uriah, this is Elias. Uh, Dan Henderson said he, before this last uh, rematch, this last fight he had, he never wanted to to rematch Michael Bisping because he knew he would never be able to top his, his, his first win, that knockout walk-off KO at UFC 100, and only the belts being on the line made the difference for him. So we're curious, what's your reasoning here in taking this fight, especially because it's on short notice, against someone that, you, you did beat really convincingly in, in, in highlight uh, fashion. Um,
4: no, it was just an opportunity. The first guy couldn't do it. Didn't call me. It made sense. He was from Europe. He's looking for you. He went again. I heard his career, and um, he's looking to get over that hump. He didn't see a guy
0: like me beating him, so why not? So I was like, fuck it. Now some fans have pointed out That you've traveled a lot For fights lately Is that something you enjoy Or is it more frustrating Well I hate it It's very
4: frustrating It's a lot of frustration Because the time difference
0: everybody was watching UFC 205 this weekend you have ties to UFC to uh, to New York City what did you think of the event the technical side of things. Do you ever envision yourself moving into an analyst role in the future? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you're supposed to take that. That could be viewed a lot of different ways. Um, as someone, um, you know, who thinks of themselves as an analyst and enjoying the technical side of things, what did you think of the title fight between Thompson and Woodley? You mentioned the scoring system, which obviously was a big talking point. What is a better way of doing uh, or scoring MMA fights? thing called uh fandom 250 we talked about it early in the show where we're ranking the best fan bases in the world sports entertainment everything so want to know what are you a fan of uh what do you like to do in your free time I love- A very special cause, and you deserve all the praise in the world for uh, doing that and working with those kids. So, um, know that it's appreciated. And uh, best of luck to you in your fight coming up this weekend. Thank you so much for taking time out to uh, talk to us during fight week. Thank you. All right. That uh, brings us basically to the conclusion of the show. We. Heard from uh, Gegard Mousasi and Uriah Hall, who both fight in the main event of the Belfast portion of the doubleheader. Um, We'll talk to Lil Nog and Ryan Bader and upload that as a separate uh, show or episode of the podcast tomorrow or tonight. Uh, You can download it on iTunes after this. So um, thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. Uh, My name is Mike Dice. I'm Aliyah Sepeda. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a written review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week, same time, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Follow Extra Rounds on Twitter, and we'll let you know who's scheduled to be on the fight. We might have to get Luke Rockhold on now. Yeah. A reason to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in.